Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so good to have you here for our Father's Day podcast at St. Philip United Methodist Church. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you please bless our fathers today. We pray, O God, that you would give them strength to lead our families in your will. And for those families whose fathers are no longer with them, give them joy today in the wonderful memories they have. And God, thank you for being our loving Heavenly Father as well. We thank you that we can gather now and learn from you. Be with us now and guide us and direct us as we open your word that we would learn from you this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson today is found in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, the first through the 11th verses. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your son and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Then shall it come about When the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and the houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord, who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. May God add his blessing to the reading's word today. Now, this passage that we just read was preceded by Moses receiving instruction from the Lord and then gathering all the people of Israel together to hear what God had for them to say before or had to say to them before they crossed over into the promised land. And what he told them was basically in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, remember, you were in slavery and I delivered. I set you. And now I'm sending in you, I'm sending you into a land that's different. And the way that you live is to be different. And you're supposed to live as free people in a free land. And then he told them how free people conduct themselves. And I can see a great parallel between that and what the Lord has done for us 
in delivering us from the bondage and the slavery of sin and setting us free and as a free people we're supposed to live as the Lord. Well, your home should be the place of basic training. It should be the place where you and your children are constantly reminded of who you are and where you came from and whose you are because he is still going to be your God. And so these words which were spoken back before the children of Israel entered into the land of promise are words that are important to us. And he made it clear that in their household, they should talk about the Lord and what he had done for them. He should be uh, the subject that was everywhere. Outside their, their, their house, there should be decorations that pointed to the fact that this is a godly household. On the door, there should be something that let it be known that this is where the people of God live. And in, even they should wear frontlets. That was the forerunner, basically, of t-shirts, reminding them that they are the Lord's and how they are to live. And in their homes, the fathers were to teach the children. They were to teach the children when they rose in the morning, when they walked with them during the day, when they were at mealtime, they should be talked to and instructed about the ways of the Lord and, uh, and the life that the, should, that the Lord expected them to live. And they should also, even whenever they were laying down to go to sleep, they should be instructed in the way. Well, fathers were supposed to have that responsibility. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And, you know, in the year 1992, Andrew hit southern Florida, the hurricane did, leaving behind an estimated $12 billion in damage, 50 people dead, and thousands of people homeless. Now, a TV news crew was filming this devastation when they came uh, to a neighborhood where all the homes were flattened except for one. And the owner of that particular home was outside cleaning up his yard, and so the crew stopped and asked, Sir, why is your house the only one still standing? How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? And the man replied, Well, I built this house myself, and I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. When I was told that a house built according to code should withstand uh, a hurricane, well, let me put it this way. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. I suppose no one else around here followed the code. Now, what we have here is a living parable of the spiritual truth that we find in Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I think no one would disagree that social, moral, ethical, and spiritual hurricanes have been sweeping across the homes and families in American life during these past 40 years. For a home to withstand the blowing winds of destruction and change in our day, it has to be built according to code. 
according to God's code. And I want us to look today the role uh, of parents in cooperating with the Lord in building their house. And this rule is first and foremost the father cooperating with the mother before the Lord. If there's not a father in the house, then the role falls to the mother. I'm concerned that in this current age of political correctness that many fathers haven't been made aware that they do have a role of tremendous responsibility in the home. And I think that that is one of the factors that has contributed to the chaos we find ourselves in today. And so, Christian fathers, take note, this message is for you. It may not be one that you hear very often, but I don't think that many of us would argue uh, that these aren't challenging times in which to raise children. And so, dads, let me ask you, do you know how to be good fathers in these times? I want to share with you today just how you can do that. First of all, the word father speaks of our role to protect and nourish our family and children. The word father in Hebrew is ab, and the Greek uh, word is uh, pater or pater. These words mean protector and nourisher. And we fathers uh, need power that we do not possess naturally within ourselves so that we can carry out the role God has chosen for us in the home. And that is a protector. You're supposed to be the first line of defense uh, in the home, both physically and spiritually, and nourisher, provider. You're supposed to be the one who provides, uh, first and foremost, spiritual and physical food in the home. Now then, uh, there may be some of you that are listening to this, and you are not fathers, or maybe you're now grown, or maybe your children are grown, but if you're a father or a grandfather or a mother or a grandmother, you know adults who need to hear these words. And so I ask you, listen, and then when the occasion and the opportunity arises, share what the Lord would have you share about this with them. What I'm sharing today is not going to be a very popular uh, lesson among those who are politically correct. Uh, let's face it, I myself am probably one of the uh, uh, least uh, uh, people that people would even want to consider in this world today. First of all, I am an old person. I mean, I'm 74 years old. And there are a lot of people in this age of ageism, and let's face it, that uh, there are so many people that just want the old people to just get out of the way, just turn into dust and disappear. Not only am I uh, advanced in years, but also in addition to that, I am a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant pastor who believes in the Bible. Whenever I first started out in uh, the uh, corporate world, uh, affirmative action was first taking place, and I had no problem with that whatsoever. We needed to do some catching up. Uh, people from other races needed to be uh, put uh, on an equal plane with us. And uh, so I, I didn't mind making room. 
I didn't consider myself privileged at all. I rejoiced that we were seeking equality in our country, but I'm grieved to see what's going on. I have watched uh, in our country today the word words family and father are both being pushed out of the conversation today, along with any consideration of God. And so me, uh, an old guy who's white, who's talking to you about God, I'm sure I'm the last person that a lot of people would listen to. But listen, this isn't a message for white people or black people or brown people or any other color any race, any ethnic. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we need to reclaim uh, this whole idea of father taking responsibility as father and husband in homes. Now, in a New Testament sense, there are two elements needed for a father to have the power to be a godly father and a good father. And I want us to look at Ephesians uh, 6, verse 4, and then also at Ephesians 5, verse 18. First of all, in Ephesians 6, 4, we read, Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then in Ephesians 5, and actually we're going to be looking at 15 through 18, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In these two verses, we see two things we all need as fathers. Actually, we all need these as believers. The first is the indwelling Savior, and the second is the infilling Spirit. First, the indwelling Savior. A man will never be the father that he could be or should be unless he has the Savior living in his heart. One day as Gypsy Smith, the uh, uh, former evangelist or evangelist from a long time ago, as he walked along in a Scottish village, a little girl came up to him, and he was surrounded by people due to the fact that he was in the area preaching, and hundreds had come out to hear him. And wherever he went, people followed him in great numbers. But this little girl was persistent, and finally she got the great evangelist's attention. She said, here is a gift, and she held up in her dirty hand a piece of candy wrapped in a dirty why have you brought Gypsy Smith a piece of candy, he asked. Sir, my daddy used to beat my mommy. He used to come home drunk. He yelled at me, and we were afraid all the time. But my daddy got saved, and Jesus lives in Now I have a new daddy at my house, and I wanted to bring you my only piece of candy because you told my daddy. Gypsy Smith picked the little girl up and held her high above the crowd, shouting, Look, ladies and gentlemen, here is a little girl with a new daddy at her house. Oh, how many boys and girls need and deserve a new daddy, but they'll never have one unless Jesus comes in to take up. Friends, it will not be the courts or laws 
that will straighten out the absent father problem. This can only happen due to a spiritual revival in the hearts of the fathers of our land. The next thing that we all need is the infilling of God's Holy Spirit in our lives today. Even a dad who knows Jesus still needs power, and this power is given through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Fathers all over our church and country today need a new surge of power to help them be the fathers they should be. And that surge of power is available only through the infilling of God's Spirit. Now, in order to experience that infilling power, you have to be willing to submit yourself to God. You have to humble yourself. You must admit your need. And let's face it, many men have a problem today admitting they have a need. We're taught as boys to take care of ourselves, to be independent, to stand up for ourselves. But brothers, when it comes to God, you either admit your need or you do without his power. Living without God's strength, the greatest problem of Christian father today. The Lord teaches us in his word that the long journey of getting your children to adulthood requires great patience. Look at the passage in Ephesians chapter 6 again. Note that fathers are told not to exasperate their children, not to just totally frustrate them, but to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's your instruction. And in order not to exasperate your children, you need an even temperament. And many fathers get mad at their children, not because of the situation at home, but because of the situation in their own lives. If things are going well for dad, he might not be angry. If he has a bad day, he just might explode on his children. Children need to see an even temperament in us as fathers. And even temperament come when you, as a dad, are at peace with God in all circumstances. And that comes from having the fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life. Now, I'm going to stop here, and just about every time I talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it seems I have to tell you this, because you see, it's not plural. It's not fruits. And it's not where you get to pick and choose. Which fruit of the Spirit do you want to work on? Whenever you yield your life to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you, the Holy Spirit will bring forth fruit, singular life. And just like an apple has different aspects, the fruit of the Spirit has different. An apple is tart, crunchy, juicy, sweet, red. Uh, it's all those things. The Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience good, gentle, self-control. These are all aspects of the Holy Spirit's infilling the Christian. And they are all things children need in a good daddy. Children who have fathers who burst into angry rages at random events never learn true discipline. For your children to learn to listen to God and to have peace in their hearts, they need fathers who trust God and reveal peace through their temperament. Someone did a study revealing that fathers spend an average of seven and a half minutes in eye-to-eye -eye conversation with their children each week. 
Imagine that. Seven and a half minutes a week. A father must take time for his children. With the advent of mobile devices, it is easy for us to become detached from our children. I read somewhere that some parents are spending 12 hours a day attached to a mobile device. Now, this seems to be the message of the hour. And if you haven't really been letting anything sink in until this moment, hear me now. This is the Lord speaking to you through me. Dad and mom, turn off that thing and look into the eyes of your children. Time matters. Your children are spending time connecting with people. And it is likely that those people may not be the best people they should be connecting with. Often they are learning about life through the computer. I urge you to sit down with your children every day and talk. Jesus spent time with his disciples. It is said of them on one occasion that the people perceived that they had been with Jesus. It doesn't simply say that they knew him, but that they had been with him. Jesus spent time with his disciples. If we are going to teach our children, and they are our disciples assigned to us by God, we need to make sure that we time with them. I hope you hear what I'm about to say. Your children will tend to follow the person and influence that give attention. Are they getting attention from you? A Harvard University found, uh, well, a study at a Harvard University found that six out of every 10 juvenile delinquents had fathers who drank to access. Many had mothers who did the same. Three out of four lacked parental interest or discipline, and four out of five had parents who took no interest in their friends or their entertainment and amusement. Many wayward children came from broken homes, and few had religious training of any kind. That doesn't mean that all children who go astray as teenagers or adults came from broken or bad homes. Some dads and moms live for God, spend time in prayer, and do the best they can to lead their children in a godly manner. But a child in that family may well grow up and go astray. The greatest percentages, however, of those who became delinquent came from homes where fathers were absent uh, and or living ungodly. A nun who worked uh, in a men's prison was asked by one of the inmates if she would buy him a Mother's Day card to send to his mom. She agreed and word travel fast, and soon hundreds of inmates had asked her for cards. And the nun contacted a greeting card manufacturer who graciously sent crates of Mother's Day cards, all of which she passed out. Soon afterwards, she realized that Father's Day was just around the corner, and thinking ahead, she again called the card manufacturer who responded quickly with crates of Father's Day cards. Years later, the nun said, she still had every one of those. Not one prisoner requested a card. Clearly, most men in prison lacked fathers. If they didn't lack fathers, they lacked fathers. Now, I want you to listen carefully. A child's heart often spells L-O-V-E with the words T-I. If you don't spend time with your children, 
they will spend it with others. And whoever gives them time will have a great influence on them. It needs to be a godly, good father who gives the time attention. Now, let me share a couple of things that good fathers practice. First of all, and this is just getting to be just such a horrible thing. Uh, they practice discipline. In this undisciplined world we have today, I know that sounds terrible, but in a godly home, a good father practices discipline. Now, parents should both be on the same page in disciplining their children. They should agree what the discipline should good be, and it should be fair, and it should be uh, something that's not cruel. Uh, the father has an important role to play at this point. Some fathers do discipline their children, but that is basically all they do with their children. And they, you see, they step in when the discipline is needed, but otherwise they spend little time. A father who does not take time with his children apart from that may be seen as nothing more than a mean-spirited tyrant. One little girl climbed up in her, in her mother's lap one day when the her father was yelling and said, Mom, we made a bad mistake when we married Daddy, didn't we? Not only must a father dole out discipline in a fair and even in good manner, but he must be disciplined in his own life. If your habits reveal a lack of discipline, all you say to your children will be useless belief. Dads need to know how to administer uh, discipline in a way that is firm, but loving. He needs to reflect the spirit which God the Father shows toward us when he disciplines us in our lives. And he needs to live a disciplined life in front of his children. The next thing that a good father does, he gives direction. Genesis 18, 19 says concerning Abraham, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. You see, a father should teach his children. This involves everything from how to ride a bike to how to read the Bible. You should teach your children. Today, most children get their education from television, modern music, their peers, the computer, and from public school. Now ask yourself if you think that TV, modern music, friends who may not be carefully chosen, the internet world, and the public school are likely to read your children the way that you know is best. Fathers, you better teach your children both in word and look into the eyes of your child, love your child, hug your child, discipline your child, talk to your child. J.C. Penney worked at a grocery store as a boy. He came home one day bragging about how the owner made some extra money and explained that his father to his father uh, that the store owner mixed regular coffee with an expensive blend and sold it at the expensive price and that way he made extra profit. And the father asked J.C. Penney how the store owner would feel if someone were doing that to him. And Penny replied that he wouldn't like it at all. J.C. Penny quit that job immediately, and later when he started his own business, he had a hard and fast rule. Everything he sold would be just as he advertised. Now, 
My first job was with J.C. Penney, and I can avow to the fact that that tradition was continued. There was more that he required. We were to all be living, and he conducted his business by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And that extrapolated out into another saying that we had at the store, the customer is always right. Because if you were the if you were a, a customer, you would want to be uh, believed, wouldn't you? And so we made sure that as the seller, we believed our customer. And we took that to extremes. I remember one day a woman brought in a pair of worn out uh, men's shorts that had come uh, from Sears. They were Sears brand shorts. I mean, they were just raggedy. They had been washed till they had faded. And she said, look here, I just bought these here at this store last week. And look, after one wash, what they look like. And so we just took those uh, shorts and we said, oh, well, we're, we're so sorry that this happened. Let's see what we can do. And we went and we found the closest thing that we had in the store, brand new, that matched those worn out old Sears shorts. And we gave them to her. And we said, we're sorry. We hope that these will do better and let her go. The customer is always right. That was his, our slogan there at J.C. Penney's. And it came from his experience as a child working for someone else. Well, uh, the thing is that uh, he followed that rule. He had great success and he tithed on all of his income and he wound up giving millions to mission. J.C. Penney's father was instrumental in the business success that his boy experienced. He had taken time to give his boy proper direction. In Joshua 4, 21 through 22, it says, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. A father should give his child biblical answers to life's questions. And you're not going to know biblical answers to life's questions unless you have been studying the Bible yourself and applying it to your own life and to life in general. And that is what J.C. Penney's father did for him. And that is what all children did. Or what, I'm sorry, this is what all children need, isn't it? Part of discipline for children is to give them direction before they make a mistake. And it is to give a biblical explanation of correct living. Now, you know, a lot of people live their whole lives without even knowing what the purpose in their life really is. Well, if you're a father, let me go ahead and tell you two things that are a part of your purpose in this life. The first is to be right with God yourself. And the second is to see that your children are also right with God. To be right with God should be our supreme purpose. Our children should see us as we humbly bow before God. They should hear us admit our need for God. And this will make us sweet and precious to our children. One little girl said of her daddy, my daddy is so sweet. I think that when he was a little boy, he was really a little girl. It would be wonderful if the child of every Christian father 
could see the sweetness of Jesus. If the Lord is in here and you're right with God, you're going to want your children to be right with God because you're going to want your children to be with you in heaven above every desire that a father has for his children is the prayer that each one will come to God through Jesus Christ. And not only that, but that each one will follow God's plan, purpose, and will for his or her life. No greater success can be known to a father than this, that his children are prepared for eternity and live a life that shows it. That is success, and it comes from you trying to fulfill God's purpose in your life to be his and to see that your children are his. Now, preparing for this morning has brought back a lot of memories to me of my own father's past week. And sadly, in facing it, I must say, he could not be described by the model of a good father that I've set out. However, I did have two, it's two godly grandfathers. Let me back up and say, I do honor my father, and I did love my father. And uh, But the thing is that our home was kind of unstable, but I had these grandfathers that both set good, godly, loving examples of what a Christian man and father should be like. And so grandparents, don't think that you have been left out this morning. You have a tremendous influence on your grandchildren. So all that I have shared about fathers and parents is just as important, if not more important, when it comes to worldly, ungodly grandparents can hinder a child's eternal future uh, and can hinder good training at home. If they have good parents, godly grandparents can make an eternal difference in their grandchildren. So grandparents, make sure that you're not hindering the spiritual development with you, of your grandchildren with your lives and your example and as well as the way that you talk to them. So saying all that, dads, moms, grandparents, wives, how are you all doing in this matter? Today, the call is for fathers to come to know Christ. And if they don't already, uh, or and if they do already, for them to recommit their lives to him. So let us be praying that our life and our walk will honor God before our children. And now some of you have grown children and uh, you're concerned about them. You've done all that you can, but you still see spiritual needs in their lives. Others of you didn't start living for the Lord until after they were grown. Either way, bring that grown child to God in prayer today. It may be too late for you to have the influence that you could have had when they were small and under your control. But it is never too late to bring your child before God in prayer. And it's never too late for your relationship with them to change because of a change in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, if uh, you're in uh, the San Philip area, we would love for you to come worship with us on a Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. If you can't, I hope I'll see you next week back here again. Bye-bye and God bless.